you're tuning in to an episode of announcements on the bitcoin podcast network here we feature sponsored content where while i don't get to choose the guest i do get to choose the questions the topics and the things discussed while i do have some editorial oversight over this the decision of what to do with this information is entirely up to you now enjoy now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Announcements. This is your host, Lucian, and today I'm joined by Matt. Um, Matt, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your company? Yeah, sure. So I'm Matthew Botel. I'm a co-founder of TradeCloud. Um, TradeCloud was formed in 2016 um, by four co-founders, three of which um, are um, executives from the um, commodity trading industry, and one is an IT specialist um, who had his own company providing software solutions to um, the big banks. Um, and the company really grew out of a realization that the commodity industry had fallen behind the rest of the world in terms of digital transformation. Um, and Therefore, what we decided to do was to build a communications platform, which was a, a bespoke offering for um, the commodity industry. Um, we've started basically with a, uh, an MVP, which caters for uh, refined metal alloys and um, their recycled products. So... Um, the commodities market is something that I'm not um, directly or professionally familiar with, and most of our audience will probably be in the same boat. But um, I know that in general, there are uh, two major classes of commodity trading, um, OTC trading and exchange based trading. Um, is there a kind of specialty? Is there a niche that you currently work in? Yeah, so we're talking about trading of physical commodities. So with delivery, um, with deliver with purchase, with delivery. So you you would you would use an exchange um, and um, and paper to to hedge your price risk. But what we're talking about is, is physical trading, where I'm literally buying 500 tons from a smelter in um, in Chile. I'm physically putting it on a vessel and shipping it over to China and I'm selling it to an end receiver in China, as an example. Mm -hmm. So we could be talking about copper, zinc, aluminium, nickel today, but um, what we will be uh, moving into at the end of the year, early next, will be the energy module. So we're talking then about crude oil and um, gas, diesel, um, coal, that type of thing. And then um, in 2020, looking to move also into agricultural products where you've got your, your wheat, your, your corn, your rice, etc., etc. Interesting. Um, so isn't there a lot of nuance or customization with the way these current contracts are done? Has it been difficult to standardize the template of the contracts? No, so so first of all, what what does our what does our platform do? Maybe just to explain. So, a typical physical contract is has about ten clauses, which are um, which are commercial. Um, that may be quantity, quality, um, price. There may be penalty elements if we're talking about certain materials. Um, a pricing period when you pay, against what documents you pay, that kind of thing. And then there's another 15 clauses, approximately, which are legal clauses, which cover what happens if something goes wrong. Vessels sink. Um, 
mines close, smelters blow up, um, and this can cause force majeure. Or if you have a legal dispute, do you go to arbitration? If so, is it in London? Is it in Paris? Or do you go to the courts in a certain jurisdiction? Now, typically over the, the last 30 years, we've moved from telex, which you can imagine must have been very arduous, to um, faxes, to emails. And an email, obviously, a wonderful tool, as long as you only get 40 or 50 a day. The problem is the whole industry is getting 500 a day. Nothing is getting filed. It's very difficult to find anything. Um, and now there's a lot of security issues around email. Now, because of the fact that people are getting so many emails, um, people started moving on to WeChat and WhatsApp. And you can imagine that it's very difficult, unless you've got the fastest thumbs in the West, to negotiate a 25-page contract using WeChat or WhatsApp. So to answer your question... Um, we basically allow the the platform user to set up their own templates um, to basically provide a very quick way of um, issuing a full proposal, uh, either by indication or by uh, on a firm basis, um, including general terms and conditions, which are all the legal um, clauses. And basically very quickly, with a few... Um, taps of the mouse or swipes of your finger on the uh, on the mobile apps, you can send out a proposal which normally would have taken you by email uh, a good half an hour to write out. Um, on top of that, if you're imagining in the um, in the past, if you wanted to really understand what the correct price was in the market, you had to contact 10, 20 people. And that means 20 emails or 20 phone calls or 20 WhatsApps. And then they all come back in in different forms. And how do you then compare them? How do you collate them? And how do you report them to your, um, to your management or senior traders? So what TradeCloud does is with those few taps of the, of the mouse, you can reach today um, probably 250 people within the first couple of hours. They all reply in one format. All of the... Um, all of the reporting is automated under one contract. We even have an inbuilt chat system, which is fully monitorable for compliance purposes. Um, and again, because the chats are instigated within the um, negotiation screens, they're automatically filed under the same contract number. So it really takes a lot of pressure off the um, trader and marketing people to um, communicate what's going on uh, internally, and it also provides a very good audit trail. And what's very nice at the end is you get an electronically um, signed contract, um, and a um, you can digitally export that, um, which then can easily be sucked up into your uh, risk management systems of your of your company. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. So, um, how does blockchain play into your system architecture and what kind of blockchain are you currently using okay so today the the offering that we have is taking us up to the conclusion of the trade now that's a perfect place to start for any blockchain solution um, because we basically have all the information in different fields but both parties have, by pressing the accept button, agreed to those terms and conditions. So the blockchain comes in whereby we are um, also providing, or at least um, we're building at the moment, the provision of a communications platform for everything post-conclusion of trade, all the way through the execution of a trade up to the um, liquidation of the trade, which could be a three to six month process depending on where the material goes from and to, and could also involve um, 10, 15 companies in the execution of just one trade. Now, that communication will all be captured on the blockchain. We're using um, R3's called a blockchain um, solution, um, and we're we're, des we're designing uh, what we're calling the trade cloud commodity web around 
uh, around this called a blockchain. Okay, so um, you're basically using blockchain for finished contracts for the process of tracking delivery and ensuring compliance. Well, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you an example of a of a typical trade and and okay. give you some um, some ideas of, of how it would how it would come in. So, so very recently, for example, um, some copper went missing in the world. Um, after one party had bought the material, um, paid for the material, and the same day they'd sold it to another party. Now, when this other party went to pick up the goods, it didn't exist and probably hadn't existed in the first place. And this is standard procedure in that part of the world where it happened. Now, what should have happened um, was that um, with better business processes, um, the warehouse would have issued a holding certificate confirming that company X um, is the owner of these goods. They're segregated. They won't be moved without owner, um, owner X or his bank giving permission. And it's got an owner X flag on top. And then on top of that, you'd basically have a supervision company, an independent supervisor, go in there and countersign the holding certificate and say, yes, that material is there. Okay. Now, when you're linking the buyer, the seller, the warehouse, and the supervision company all together on one shared ledger over blockchain, it allows um, and promotes very good business practice. And it would have allowed, in this case, um, both the buyer, the seller, the two service providers, and the buyer um, at the end of the chain to all have seen that that holding certificate exists, that material is there, and it has been verified by the warehouse and by the supervision company. Okay, so what we're trying to do here and where we, where we believe that blockchain is a, is a perfect user case, uh, or should I say commodities trading, physical commodities trading is a perfect user case for for blockchain is that we're really it's about building trust between the parties and if you can have various stages of verification um, by external service providers um, to build confidence that what's actually being um, portrayed is correct that definitely reduces the risk a great deal now when you imagine that if you're shipping um, cargoes around the world, which could be worth $25 million, uh, we're, we're not talking about buying a pair of trainers online, which cost 100 bucks. If, if you make a mistake, it's going to be costly. If you've paid $25 million for goods, even if it's insured, the insurance company would look around and say, well, did you, um, did you actually check that the goods were there when you paid for them? And if the answer is no, there's a lot of wiggle room there. And uh, so it's, it's extremely important. And for, for big multinational companies, it's important from the perspective of showing good corporate governance and uh, um, that they're really using everything to mitigate their risk. For smaller companies, just imagine if you lose $5 million because you um, have paid for some goods which weren't there, it could be the end of the company. So I'm really a firm believer that um, we can do two things with blockchain. We can provide a very secure environment, um, but we can also improve the business processes in the physical commodity markets, which um, may be lacking in some areas. So I was going to ask, um, how, um, how does your process compare to the current state of the art? How is it currently managed? I'm assuming it uses like um, paper receipts and inspection documents of uh, various government agencies that probably physically still stamp documents. Um, is, the, is this the current state of the art? Are there like government officials that go around and... Uh, or independent inspectors that still use paper uh, documents to track 
shipping receipts and whatnot? Yeah, so, I mean, you do get governments involved on things like certificates of origin, um, but most of the verification of where the goods are, etc. This would be um, this would be done by email, um, by third-party um, companies. Um, but the problem is, you can have different versions of the truth um, because not everybody is copied at the same time. Um, whereas in the, in a shared ledger technology, everyone's assured of having the same information at the same time, which is uh, which definitely builds a lot of um, trust that uh, that nobody is trying to be fraudulent in any way. Um, I mean, one interest, very interesting. Um, development which is happening in the space at the moment is electronic documents. So today, the vast majority of trade um, on board a vessel, um, the title document, i.e. who owns the material, is handled via um, three-thirds um, bill of lading. And it basically says that company X owns the goods and unless you provide this one of these three pieces of paper to the uh, ship um, captain at discharge port, you won't be able to take possession of the goods. Now, imagine if you've sold the material or you've bought the material from Chile and then you've sold it on and somebody else has sold it on and somebody else has sold it on before it gets to China, which is quite a common reaction. It's got to go through four or five different banks um, and have those documents all checked before it gets to discharge port. Now, each time you're relying on the postal services of the different countries doing a good job. And if you haven't got the goods there, if, if the goods arrive and you haven't got the bill of lading there, then you'll have a vessel on demurrage and that can cost thousands of dollars a day, or you have to discharge um, without that document against a, an LOI, a letter of indemnity, which is a very risky thing to do. So what we have to, coming now finally into the space are electronic bills of lading, um, which obviously means that you can exchange title and hand um, possession of the goods over um, a digital format. And that's something that we have business partners that we're working with to include into um, our final offering um, and surely has to be the future because as long as you have security in your platform um, you're you're really reducing the um, the postal risk and making things a lot easier for the whole community yeah it's uh, surprising that such a um, uh, an industry that deals with such large um, capital and, and such large costs and basically you would assume that it is more advanced in terms of like electronic documents at the very least it's uh is there a reason why the commodities market has been relatively slow moving compared to um, other fintech type companies that generally are on the bleeding edge of information technology yeah it's it has been a little bit slow to uh, slow to change. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, I mean, I traded zinc and lead concentrates, and you basically pay today eighty-five percent of the zinc content in a in a concentrate, which is a, a raw material of, of zinc. It's what's dug out of the the mine and shipped to the to the smelter, and and then you receive a treatment charge. But the point is. You pay 85% because uh, 50 years ago, the smelters could only recover 85% of the zinc contained in the raw material. Today, you can recover 96% plus, but you still have the payment formula of 85%. So it's, in that sense, it's, it's very slow to, um, slow to change. Um, there, are a lot of it, there are a lot of stakeholders in the industry and I, I think it's to answer your question on the the bills of lading um, I think there's 
quite a bit of inertia caused because there's so much money um, we're talking about. If you're the guy in an organization that's said, right, we're going on to electronic bills of lading, and then something goes wrong, you're going to lose your job. Okay, so I think a lot of people feel more comfortable staying with the status quo. Um, but it it very much is a is going to happen, and and I I've seen a a cartoon which was shown to me by a new member of our team um, about six months ago when she joined, and and I think it's a perfect example of where we are in the commodity space, and and that was two cavemen pushing a cart uphill and they've got um, square wheels and this other caveman comes up behind perhaps he's got a trade cloud hat on I don't know um, and he's got a round wheel in his hand he says guys guys why don't you try this and they say oh no we're far too busy to try something new <laughs> and and I think I think that in a way um, for all of digital transformation is is a little bit um, symptomatic of the problem that we have um, but just as sure as sure that um, the world moved from square wheels to round wheels I think it's, uh, it's, it's logical that we must digitalize this industry especially as the um, security is that much better now in, in, um, in the solutions that we can offer. So the um, the security risks, first of all, happen just because of the values of these contracts. But I assume it's also the confidential nature of these contracts as well, um, because you're dealing with traders. The details and the specifics of these contracts would definitely be considered trade secrets. And a lot of traders profitability and margin is dependent on um, the details of these contracts remain remaining secretive um are you using aspects of blockchain specifically to increase like the security architecture of your design well what i would say for i mean first of all if if one yes you want to have confidentiality and yes you have confidential confidentiality clauses in your in your contract um a big trade is not not going to give away his position by having one one contract um, exposed, shall we say, um, because really a, a big trading company with multi-million dollar overhead will need to take a big position either long or short, and that will be over hundreds of contracts. So it's really the, the overall position of the company, which is the thing that you don't want to um, give away. I, I believe, actually, the security risks are more around um, interception of information. So I, I gi I'll give you an example um, or two examples. There have been two multinational companies in the metal space in the last, I'd say, nine months that have been hacked, okay, um, such that I even turned up for a meeting with one um, and the guy was in another country because for two weeks he hadn't had access to his email or his outlook to be able to look at his calendar. Um, additionally, we're hearing more and more that sending invoices by email has carries risk because if I send you my invoice and a hacker gets in the middle, and changes the payment instructions from my bank account to his bank account, and you pay him, then obviously I'm going to phone you up and say, hey, you've got the goods, where's my money? And you'll say, I paid you. And then we're going to find out we've both been victims of fraud. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, blockchain and the, the whole solution that we have is so much more secure than um, than email. And I, I need my CTO to explain exactly the um, the whys and wherefores around it. But it is significantly significantly better than um, than what we have today. And I think for the commodity industry dealing with such um, high value um, materials, 
I think it's absolutely essential that they embrace the um, the best technology available to make their communication as secure as possible. Yeah, I noticed that your platform has a um, secure messaging component as well. Um, yeah. Is that actually built on the uh, Coda blockchain, or is that has that been built before um, incorporating the blockchain element? So, so basically, the um, the chat that we have at the moment in the released module. So we've we've released the metals module, okay, mm-hmm. and that was released at the end of 2017. And today we have just under 500 users, 38 different countries. We've just put a billion dollars of trade initiated through the platform. So it's it's getting there now. That chat itself is fully encrypted, okay, but the the blockchain part is what we're building now with regard to the um, the trade cloud commodity web, and that chat will basically be um, um, be on the call to blockchain. Okay. Nice. I also noticed that you uh, have mobile applications already built and on the App Store. Um, I didn't have time to look into the details of it. Plus, I don't think. I would be able to pass the KYC process because I'm not a commodities trader. Um, but <laughs> do your users have to be registered? Um, I know for your security token offering, you have to be an accredited investor to participate. Yeah, so let, let's take one at a time. So first of all, the trade cloud platform itself. Yes, um, you, you can't just download the app and, and, and away you go. So you, you need to basically um, register. Uh, you go through a short KYC and, and then you basically get your passwords and, and only at that stage can you um, download the apps and actually get into the app. Um, I, I was a commodity trader for, for 15 years, traveled the world, um, and, and it's very much a path physical trading in that the trader is on the road a lot of the time. So if you can have an app which allows you to negotiate and conclude trades while you're on the road, so I, I like to take the example of if I'm on a plane um, about to take off in China and I hit an accept button. Now, in the old days, I'd have received an email. I might have seen the email, but been able to do nothing until I got back at my desk in Switzerland. But in this case, I can hit the accept button and I can fall asleep on my plane. Now, before I've even taken off, all the stakeholders in my company can already see that I've concluded a deal and the contract has already been um, issued and signed by both parties. So that's a huge advantage. And and mobility is something we were very, very um, keen to have. Now just maybe we'll move on to the the STO side of things now. So um, will your listeners be um, particularly um, aware of what an STO is or should we start by explaining? Um, We do have several listeners who are accredited investors and have invested into STOs. Um, but I wouldn't assume that everyone has done it, especially since the regulation surrounding security token offerings is actually interpreted differently by uh, many companies depending on the jurisdiction. So I think it would make yeah. sense to go into a bit of detail. Okay, so we we've basically have been self-funded to date, um, but we we really want to um, move forward extremely. Um, aggressively in terms of marketing and, uh, and obviously on the development side with a energy module and agricultural module and the, and the blockchain solution, which will serve all the different modules, um, there's a lot of work to do. So we, we've looked to basically raise money through a security token offering. So this is um, basically, in my opinion, a, a far more regulated form of um, an ICO. So ICOs came around a, um, a few years ago, um, wasn't a regulated space. There were a lot of um, a lot of 
core ICOs out there in terms of people came with ideas and and basically because it was a fad, a lot of people invested money. And then lo and behold, because they were ideas, because it was poorly regulated, um, a lot of them fell over and suddenly ICOs don't have a great name. Now, STOs are, in my opinion, a far more mature version of, of ICOs in that the regulation is um, far greater. So just to give you an idea from our perspective, we started our... Um, we started our STO process in August last year. Um, we've we basically um, held the the STO or holding the STO in Switzerland. So we had to go through um, the financial regulators' um, long process of acceptance, which took us um, five months, I think to go through just that process. Um, we've engaged more than 20 companies throughout the STO process, and we have spent probably around half a million dollars. So from an investor perspective, that's already a big barrier to, um, to actually starting a proper STO in a proper jurisdiction. Our biggest cost out of all of that um, spend has been legal. Um, just in getting through the regulatory approvals and making sure that documentation is set up and the regulator is there to protect um, the interests of investors. Um, so we finally started the, um, the STO um, in June, going for a, a private round um, where we would look to raise um, $5 million dollars. And uh, it, it's actually very good timing to have this because we closed um, the private round today. Um, so we have raised the $5 million already and we open the public round tomorrow. Um, so in the public round, we look to raise another $15 million um, this year and we're keeping um, half our tokens back in Treasury for, um, for issuance at another time. Um, the the token itself, um, just to explain, is um, we call it a hybrid token. So it has utility and security functions. Now, in, in very much layman's terms for the for the listeners, um, so TradeCloud's platform today um, is free of charge. But when we will be because we're building a community, but when we charge, we will basically issue internal units so you can effectively buy internal credits on the platform and as you use services on the platform your internal credits will come down okay mm -hmm. so our, our security token can be exchangeable for the um, for the credits on the platform and you can buy the tokens at a discount to, um, to the cost of what the credits will be Okay, so there's already an upside in terms of the utility um, function. Now, additionally, before you actually um, exchange your token, which you don't have to do, or sell it to somebody who will exchange um, the token, um, we're also paying out a profit share from TradeCloud. Um, and that will be for a period of, of 10 years. And as people exchange their tokens, that will mean there are less tokens in circulation and the profit share that we are um, applying to all the tokens will be shared by fewer and fewer people. So the, your profit share, therefore, as a token holder will go up as time goes on. So we're really, we're really looking to, um, to have our members also buying tokens because obviously if you're a, a, a token holder you have an incentive to make the platform work so we think that that will be um, an interesting incentive as well but the most important thing i think is very regulated area now we chose a very serious jurisdiction in switzerland um simon and i the ceo and me the coo respectively we're, we're both based in switzerland it is um and, uh, yeah, we're really excited to have closed the private round today so quickly.
Congratulations on that. Um, and the the token model, or at least the part of the utility token, sounds very similar to Binance um, in the way that essentially you... Um, I, I don't think you phrased it the same way. In Binance's token distribution model, they essentially allow people to uh, burn uh, Binance tokens in order to pay a discounted rate for fees uh, for using their exchange. And mm -hmm. is that kind mm -hmm. of similar to, um, to the utility portion? It sounds... Without being familiar with with that particular form, from what you said, it it sounds effectively similar. The the token holder effective. So if you're not a token holder, say you're a um, you're a member of the platform, what you will do is you'll pay me US dollars, for example, onto the platform, and I will credit you tokens. So uh, sorry, I will credit you internal credits on the platform. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're doing here is basically saying that the token replaces the U.S. dollars. And basically, the, the token is transferred into TradeCloud's wallet and TradeCloud simultaneously um, credit um, the internal credits to the person that's, um, that's basically given the, the tokens. Or, for example, if you're a private investor... Um, we will look to facilitate setting up tripartite agreements whereby you could sell to um, um, the tokens to a member of the trade cloud platform. And when the investor um, uh, puts the tokens into trade cloud's wallet, the, the third party would be credited with the um, with the internal credits. So it sounds it sounds like we're we're on the same way. Yeah. And um, is the security token actually built off of something else besides uh, Corda? Coda? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not Corda. It's completely, it's completely separate. So uh, you rightly said earlier on that um, uh, there is a, a KYC and there's also an AML process that investors have to go through. Um, and that's on a platform um, a blockchain platform called TokenGate, um, which is one of the leading um, token issuance onboarding um, uh, platforms in Switzerland. Um, it's located in, in Zug, just down the road from me. Um, so the process is, is basically from our website, you, you hit the invest now button, which takes you straight through to the TokenGate platform. You fill in your uh, your details. KYC um, is is basically um, with your passport, um, a, a video identification with the leading Swiss um, video identifier, just to prove that the face is you. Uh, and then our AML provider and um, and our bank basically perform uh, KYC uh, AML just to um, make sure that the source of funds um, is legal. And, and then basically you are given the um, wallet address to pay into if uh, you're paying in crypto or the bank account to pay into if you're paying in fiat. And uh, the following Friday from receipt of funds, um, you're credited with the tokens into your receiving wallet. Interesting. Yeah, I... Um... I was trying to find out where it was, but you actually uh, contract out a security team uh, to audit your code. And um, I think their name was Chain Security. And uh, it looked like they also do smart contract auditing as well. Um, so do you have smart contracts in this mix? Is that like part of the uh, security token offering? Because I'm assuming... Yeah. Coda doesn't necessarily have smart contracts. They have their own version of smart contracts. Um, yeah, so, so we've got to differentiate the two. Corda is nothing to do with the security token. Yes, okay? exactly. That's, yep. that's purely the development that TradeCloud's business is based on. Okay, yep. um, In the security 
token side, we use Enactor's token gate platform, and that um, those smart contracts have been fully audited um, by, um, I can't remember the name of the company, again, organized by our CTO, but basically by a very reputable um, company, and they've had a, a clean bill of health. We yeah, have I looked into them in, as well. They're another in an Swiss company. I think they're called Chain Security. Um, okay. And yeah, it was fairly interesting, uh, especially because of the kind of different architecture. But it makes sense, essentially, because on the platform, you're using a US dollar pegged representation of value, um, essentially, while the security token itself has a more floating value based on market forces. Um, although you basically do have to uh, intermediate the how it is traded because it is a security token offering. So you can't just let anyone buy uh, these tokens on an open platform. Um, so yeah, as of as of today, you need to be whitelisted um in the uh, the primary round so the the public round you would need to be whitelisted you need to go through that token gate um onboarding process uh what we're looking to we're obviously looking to provide a secondary exchange um though we're in discussion with um a few different exchanges at the moment um so that when the public offering closes and that's scheduled to close at the end of september we may move that an extra month depending on um uh, depending on how um, the summer holidays of investors um, affects the, the speed of investment. Um, but basically the idea is as soon as the public round closes that um, our intention is to, to the next day be listed on an exchange so that there's secondary trading possible. Nice. And um, with regards to who is able to participate in the security token offering, um, the aspect of jurisdiction specifically, I read on your website that um, the countries, uh, people are excluded from participating if they're from the United States, China, or one of the countries on international sanctions list. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's it's correct. kind of strange seeing the United States there. I fully understand why, <laughs> mainly because of the regulatory uncertainty regarding um, security tokens in the United States. Um, but it also does seem like a lot of the people who stand to use this platform are still located in either the United States or China. Um, is that correct? Um, it is it is correct. Um, it's a fact of life, unfortunately. We've been uh, advised by um, our legal advisors to exclude those countries. Um, litigation is an issue with the with the US. I think the the regulatory environment is, um, should we say, difficult at the Uncertain moment. Uncertain at um, best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look. So. Uh, so it, it, quite frankly, um, if it changes, then obviously um, trade cloud tokens will be around for for years to come. So hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully it does change, becomes clearer, and and that restriction can be lifted. Um, but and unfortunately, it's uh, when when we're told by different. Um, legal advisors would don't advise you do that, then we have to follow their advice. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame, but, uh, the rest of the world is large and, and we seem to have quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of interest at the moment. So are you still able to onboard customers from, uh, the U S and China? Yeah, it's it's purely it's purely the STO, which uh, which is not. We have plenty of Chinese um, members of the Trade Cloud platform, plenty of American companies on the Trade Cloud platform, okay. um, and it's being being fully embraced there, um, and some large names as, as well. So, uh, so that's a great. It's not reason. an issue. Yeah, it's, that's a great reason to separate the security token versus the uh, platform based 
um, fee model as well. Basically allows people to participate in the system even if they can't directly participate in the equity token. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just to be just to be clear, um, it's it's not an equity. Okay, so there is there is no share in the company given away, although there is the profit share. So Got this, it. in our thought process, this started out as a utility token, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we thought, hold on a minute, we really want to give a bit more. We want to, we want to make it more interesting for investors. And that's where the profit participation came in as well. It, it doesn't give away um, equity. And, and, and quite frankly, um, I, I think at this stage of the company, um, holding a quarter of a percent in a company in terms of shares, even if you're a big investor, it, it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to do much. And, and I think that um, it's important that at the moment we, we're able to um, follow our vision um, to be very agile in our, in our approach. Um, and it's, it's one of our big strengths in terms of, we created the the original MVP in in nine months, and I I think if I'd have done that in previous companies, um, I'd still be building it today at probably multiples of the cost, and that's because it's the um, it's a very streamlined process um, in terms of how we develop and uh, and and also the fact that we're very senior guys in the um, in the industry. I mean Simon was. CEO of the non-forest division of Trafigura, which is the second largest trading company in the world. I was the COO of the same division. So we've, we've been around the block. We've both spent 20, 25 years in the industry. Um, now, it's, it, it's very, it was very rare, at least it wouldn't really happen in a trading company, for guys with that experience to be, um, to be developing platforms. Um, but we're really enjoying it. We're really enjoying making a difference to the, um, to the industry. We're enjoying building the, um, the community of, of users. And uh, uh, it's, it's extremely refreshing and a very exciting time now with developing these different uh, modules and, uh, and having a successful STO. Yeah, it uh, definitely helps bringing that kind of industry experience into uh, space. The blockchain space is uh, littered with projects that you may have seen in which there are teams trying to disrupt industries that they don't have a lot of experience in. Um, this mm-hmm. seems to be kind of the opposite. It seems to be kind of a business that grew up and the platform was developed originally and customers were brought on um, without the blockchain portion having been uh, basically forced into it. Um, from the very start, and now it sounds like you're essentially developing um, additional benefits from blockchain using its ability to kind of uh, have a more distributed security architecture, as well as the ability to kind of um, connect people in a different way than a traditional network architecture would. Um, but at the same time, you're essentially able to Uh, take clients and take applications with a tested user interface and then add blockchain into it as a, as a kind of added benefit in a way that kind of makes sense. Um, So is there anything that um, I should have asked you that you would have liked to cover during our uh, discussion? No, I, I think we can pat ourselves on the back to say we've we've covered a lot in the space of uh, in the space and given a very good overview. Um, just in in respect of um, if people are interested in investing, um, there's a lot of information on our website, um, which is uh, tradecloud.sg for Singapore. Um, you can also follow us on Telegram, on Twitter, on Medium, and on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, all I really need to say at this stage. Sure, we'll uh, put links at the bottom in the show notes. And is there a way for people to reach out to you directly? 
Uh, yes, they can contact me on Matthew at tradecloud.sg um, or through the website on the, the contact us um, messages as well. That will, that will come to all four of the co-founders um, plus the um, support staff. Great. Well, it was nice talking to you today and uh, I look forward to seeing the progress that you make. Superb. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.